to death that nefesh that's wrong about literally everything. I'm ready to cut loose myself. The Christian experience has to be sacrificed. Mm. You have to have that soldier attitude. I don't care what they think. I'm here to obey the apostolic commandment. I want to fulfill God's will for my life. Which is the favor that Jesus had from his father by being perfect. Hey, greetings. Welcome, guys. <laughs> Welcome to RLM TV, Florida. Early beginnings here, humble beginnings in a beautiful, uh, bright, glorious hope for the state of Florida to be baptized in fresh glory, the broadcasting of righteousness, and the outpouring, and this is where he's going with it, the outpouring and the return of the neshama, the holy neshama to the believers, and this next move of God. It's amazing to be here. There's such a freshness about this plant of moving forward from Minnesota to Florida. We're so excited for establishing righteousness and the teaching of the Sephirot and the Sapphire Stones and all the things that God is discipling us in in these days over the state of Florida on the East Coast. It's very exciting. There's been continuous signs and wonders since we've established this uh, residency uh, six days ago here, broadcasting from Clearwater Beach, Florida, USA. And we are so excited for a brand new season of Beach Glory. <laughs> Amen. So just let the waves of glory wash over your senses, over your mind, over your heart, over your finances, over your health, over any troubled area of your mind. Just receive the fresh baptism of the waves of peace. You don't have to be physically present on a beach to feel the waves of glory smoothing out all the jagged edges, all the rough edges of the stony places of the mind and the heart be smoothed over by the internal river of living waters. And he said, then you'll have the refreshing, the refreshment that your soul desires. It's by knowing him within your own spirit. It's a fresh baptism of the prince of peace. And who is he? The river of life himself. That is God. It is his impulses that you follow as you submit to the river within. And there you'll find perfect peace. He said, you keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. On who? The King of Kings, Christ within you, the hope of realizing that you don't have to be on a vacation, you don't have to be on a beach, you don't have to be on an airplane, you don't have to be on a Greek va vacation, you don't have to be off in California, you don't have to be on a European trip to find the peace that your soul longs for. You don't have to be at a five-star restaurant to find peace. You don't have to have the kids quiet. <laughs> To have peace. Just got to know them on the inside. Now, those are all wonderful <laughs> things, and I wish all of those yeah, things upon you. I hope you have you. an amazing <laughs> uh, 
vacation in, in Greece with epic sunsets and your kids behave themselves as they should at home and they're peaceful and they don't try to kill each other every five minutes and that you have peace in your home. And I hope you have multiple vacations a year, every year, with everything just flowing just right, like it was mapped out ahead of time for you by heavenly angels. I do hope those things and I pray those things Amen. for you in Jesus' name. Blessing. Be blessed with overabundant finances to you and your mm -hmm. home. Those of you who are learning righteousness, Amen. you're rising in righteousness, but what keeps those things from becoming or being idols in your life? How do you keep that from becoming idolatry? Right, it's the substance of that river of life that we mentioned, Christ himself. Hmm. When you value him and you don't rely on all those external things for your peace, that means when the kids are going crazy, when you don't have peace in the home, when the rush hour couldn't get any worse, when your boss said no paid time off for that vacation, when it seems like everything is going wrong in our first world problems, and some of you have more than first world problems, you have real problems, there, there's that. But no matter how big or small your problems are, what the point is, is those external things cannot dictate the level of internal peace that you have in Christ. We'll just ask the apostle who was stoned to death outside of the city and was raised and came right back into the city. Do you think he had a harder day than his vacation being canceled? Than the family being upset? Than not getting that raise, not getting that promotion, not getting the job that you wanted? Feeling overlooked, feeling rejected, feeling like it's taking forever for your destiny to come forth. You keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, on Christ. So we want those external things to be glorified in your life and to be perfected. This is the kingdom age. We're going for the natural realm to be taken by Jacob, which is those who walk in sun righteousness. You're standing on the moon clothed in the sun. The restoration of all things. But what is going to make the difference? Now, if you are not walking in cosmic righteousness, all of those beautiful, wonderful external things that we talked about tonight, all those things that we've mentioned to you, and more, yeah, the financial increases, the nice things that make you happy when you go home and you have a nicely decorated home, you have a clean home. Some of you, that's your thing that you would like to have, you pray for. I just want a clean and organized home and peace at home. And I just want to eat healthy meals every day and have you know people not bother me too much, my family be at peace. I'm not asking for much, Lord. I just want that you must first Walk with the peace within. Walk in cosmic righteousness. Because when you walk in cosmic righteousness and you learn that peace comes from Christ within you, no matter what the external circumstance, situation, he remains the same.
And what that does is it breaks the idolatry. You will be tested in this. Do you value righteousness? Do you value his peace within? More than trying to make temporary, superfluous peace. Well, let's just say what the family wants to hear so that we don't ruffle too many feathers and just, you know, it's his peace, unbreakable peace. That means whether you're an apostle being stoned outside of the city, whether you're wrestling with the angels, the fallen watchers, and the demons, whether you're wrestling Samael, whether you're having difficulty waiting in line at the traffic light or the supermarket, just the impatience, or you're at your maximum patience with your family, whatever it is, whatever your thing is, Whose peace do you value more? Now, if you value those external things that give the appearance of peace more than the internal peace of Christ, the only possibility for you moving forward is idolatry. Therefore, you've cut yourself off from your natural inheritance. What do I mean by that? Weights and measures and balances. Let's say if you value family peace, more than peace with God mm. on the inside. So true. When you're tested in that and the pressure comes upon you from family to give away from your store of peace, right? He said, my peace I give to you. It's a gift, right? When God gives you a gift, oftentimes a test is how quickly are you going to give it away? Are you going to sell it? Are you going to throw it away like mm. trash? What's worth throwing your peace away? God gave you a nice gift of peace. What did you feel like throwing it away for? Someone cut you off on the highway? Oh, just chunk it out the window like trash, right? God gave me peace, but I don't value it. Bam. Gonna get upset at the people cutting me off in traffic. It's just a temporary thing. Yeah. So at that point, we value our pride and competitiveness with the other people in the traffic more than the peace of God, which is God himself. So at that point, it's idolatry of pride. There's idolatry of all kinds of things. Or when the we's like, you know what? Oh, I just got to have peace in my home. Oh, my husband is it, or my wife or my kids. Is it, oh, my in-laws, my, my, my mother, my father. They just won't. I just need to have peace. And when you value the peace with them above peace with God inside of you, you took from that deposit and you traded it. You traded on demonic trading floors for family. Now you have only had the possibility of family idolatry. Now you're in bondage. And then people wonder, why, why can't I have more inheritance? Why can't I have more good things with my family? Because you've traded the gift of Christ inside of you for idolatry of the natural realm. So when you go through the testing and the proving and the trials, do you value Christ within you more than gold? Do you value Christ within you more than silver? Do you value Christ within you more than family peace, more than vacations, more than cars, more than things going on nicely, smoothly? And when it comes to that, everything is that the breaking point and all external peace is gone. Will you cling to Christ within you? And that's the peace 
that you value. When that happens in your life, my friends, you are ready to walk in a greater natural inheritance if you're walking in cosmic righteousness. And the higher tests are not usually what people think they are for money. It's more often a test whether you will be in agreement with the accuser when people sin against you, fall, fall short of the glory, whatever it is. If you will have more of Christ in his nature, which is mercy, forgiveness, putting away sin, just put it away, put it away, just put away sins. Christ in him crucified. That is the test for your financial, physical inheritance. Well, the angels want us to know they showed up because there's a huge angelic flash right over the screen and the camera as we're live just a five seconds ago when you're talking. So we just welcome all the angels here today. This is the Father's time. This is the Father's kingdom. The day of the Lord is the day of the Father. So you will have peace to the measure you're living in the Father's kingdom. Now, the Holy Spirit will only anoint the thought life, the word life, and the action life of one man, Jesus Christ. No one else is anointed. No one else gets the blessing. No one else has an inheritance. We're co-heirs with Christ only. One man, six-foot-tall Jewish man, Jesus of Nazareth, born in Bethlehem. You need to understand that clearly because he decided to share his inheritance with us, which we don't deserve, but we're learning how to receive it by having his own thoughts, his own words, in his own ways. Okay? So to grow in favor with God, like Jesus grew in favor in Luke chapter 2, the Bible says he grew in favor with man and favor with God, and he grew in wisdom. In order to do that, you must grow up in the same exact way of Jesus Christ of Nazareth's thought life, word life, and action life. That's the only way to resurrect from the dead. That's the only way to pass your tests and your angelic testings. And circumcision is ultimately a new rung of Jesus Christ himself formed within you. And you go from glory to glory by his thoughts, his words, his ways becoming your very own. That's what ingraftation into the cultivated olive tree of Israel is. Now, he's the king of Israel. He is Israel himself. He's the creator and the redeemer and the rewarder of Israel. He is the anointing on the kingdom of Israel, which is the messianic kingdom of the Messiah that's coming forth through Messiah's brothers and sisters who are anointed because of one thing. We have the thoughts, words, and ways of Jesus exactly as he likes them. The whole purpose of this thing, a lot of time people want formulas what do I need to do? Tell me what to do. Give me rules and regulations. No, the person of Jesus formed in you is the rule of the new covenant. His presence is more stricter than rules. <laughs> His presence requires the perfection of himself formed in your thought life. That's what judgment is. We need all the judgment we can get. Judgment to cleanse us from any other thought, any other word, 
any other way. All of our actions, all of our words, everything that comes out of our mouth is literally glorifying to the throne of God. It nourishes the angels. Guys, sanctification, which all of us are in the midst of right now, this is the time of the consecration of the holy ones that serve God with all their heart, souls, minds, and strength. This is the time of determining who will be sanctified and who rejects it. The ones that won't have his thought life, the ones that won't have his word life, the ones that won't have his action life, well, they won't have any of his inheritance. During Babylon, the great church age times, oftentimes you could just be like Nimrod who stole and murdered while pretending to be praying and yet was the pastor of the church and was the leader of the intercessory team of the church and who was the apostle, so to speak, of a ministry and had a, was on television. I tell you the truth, you won't get away with any of that during the kingdom age. This is the time to see who will be right with God in the invisible place of the heart. Who will be right with the angels, where the angels, when they come around, they're nourished. The angels, they flash their lightning wings. They flash the glory and the word of God from their spirit when they come around acknowledging we're around a holy saint. And this holy saint will appreciate us because they practice a similar holiness because they love the same God. If the angels are acknowledging you and representing the kingdom around you so that they have to reveal themselves to you, that reveals you are on the right path of sanctification. You are taking seriously the things of the Father's heart. My lifetime goal is to rejoice the Father's heart. I want to make the Father laugh, 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 and rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice exceedingly, exceedingly. I want the Father to be so filled with joy and looking at his children that all the pain of the rejection of the one-third that fell and so many of the nations that have rejected him is just obliterated and remembered no more. And all we have is eternal jubilee. I tell you the truth, we're going to bring that into being. That is God's plan for these days to rejoice his heart. We are going to celebrate the Father. We are going to celebrate all his plans for man that are established and written in the heavens. It's not like, well, he's got to redo everything because it's not good enough for me. Only if God could come down and fix everything. Listen, he sent Jesus Now the spirit of Jesus, the word of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the water of Jesus are all on the earth, 1 John chapter 5. You have all the spirit of Jesus. You have all the words of Jesus, the Bible. Everyone has Bibles. So you have all the scriptures. You have the Torah. You have the prophets. Jesus Christ told the rich man that was enough. The rich man protested it's not enough. He says, well, if they won't believe that, they won't believe me. Do you understand that? Jesus Christ said, if you will not believe Torah in the scriptures, Torah and the prophets, you will not believe Jesus Christ, the Messiah of Israel. Meaning your intimacy with the spirit, the glory, the power of the Bible made alive in your hearts and minds and brains and bones and thought life and word life and action life. That is the measure you love him. If the Bible and the Holy Ghost teaching the Bible, and the holy angels teaching the Bible is not enough for you, you're not going to like the real Jesus. He is the Word of God. This is a time where we begin to understand the Scriptures 
in an angelic way. Why? The Bible says so. There was an angel preaching the eternal gospel in the mid-heavens. That's exactly what it says in the revelation of Jesus Christ, last book of the Bible. There was an angel preaching. This angel, this eagle preaching, the spirit of prophecy and the angelic realm of the mid-heavens, the, the realm of the sapphire stones, the realm of Jacob's ladder, those angels on those angelic spheres were teaching and preaching. Guys, that's Daniel 12.3. That's the teaching of righteousness, angelic righteousness. That's doing what's right at a perfect angel level that's available for everyone born again of Jesus Christ, spirit, water, and truth. And then remains in the water. And then remains in the truth. And then remains faithful doing the works that please the Holy Ghost. So what must you think? What must you say? What must you do? Simple. The works that please the Holy Spirit. How will you know it pleases the Holy Spirit? There'll be glory billowing all around you. You'll be persecuted by religionists. Esau hates your guts. Sorcerers, witches, the selfish, uh, the religionists, the, the false prophet, the beast, the red dragon, all those areas of hell, they'll hate your guts. They'll want to destroy your life. They'll do anything to hurt you, to hurt your feelings. That's the evidence, like the Apostle Paul, I bear in my body the marks of Jesus Christ being stoned so many times, shipwrecked abandoned, forsaken continuously. All of that is the evidence that you have the marks of Jesus, that you bear on your body the marks of his glory, the word of God, the testimony of Jesus Christ exiled on Patmos for the word of God. The living word has become my very flesh, my bones, my blood, my arteries, my, my organs, my existence, that I am living inside heaven. As I was jogging this morning, <laughs> we're doing the cardio down here and we're, we're exercising the spirit world and the natural world and we are going for it all, guys, with gusto. And as I was jogging this morning, the Lord showed me all of heaven inside the New Testament Bible. Literally every angel every realm, all of Eden, the whole Garden of Eden, inside the letters of your Bibles. I went inside the letters of the Bibles as I'm jogging on the beach, and I saw through the words written in the Scriptures, all the realms of heaven. There is nothing hidden from you. There is nothing kept from you. He has shared everything with us with His Word, guys. You need to understand the Father is for you. And if you understand how he's for you, he's for you by presenting you the word and in the word, the spirit, the blood, and the water. So you can go into heaven to the measure you go into the word and the word goes into you. If you don't allow the word to go into you, there's no consecration. You can't go into heaven. You can't live into the glory. There's no sanctification. The word is what sanctifies you and the word is what transports you into new glory realms. Amen. It's all in the word. Exactly as he said. There's nothing hidden from you. There are only mysteries hidden for you. Mysteries and secrets of the kingdom age. This is the time that Enoch talked about where we would begin the discourse on secrets of righteousness. There are mysteries and there are secrets. Mysteries are those things that you go into the Word of God and you seek out, and it's revealed to you by the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. 
Now those mysteries are for you at the time that's appropriate, as led by the impulse of the Holy Spirit to share with others. The secrets, the secrets of righteousness are not shared until the appointed time. How will you know when it's the appointed time? Those of you who are into mysteries and secrets of righteousness, you're traversing the Torah. You're going from glory to glory. According to the Lord's prayer, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Up the Sephirot, the path of righteousness, the living word of God, Jacob's ladder, the sapphire stone body of lamentations of Jesus Christ, Zion's princes. What is the template of the bodies of the cosmic princes of Israel? The same as the prince of all princes, the king of all kings, prince of peace, mighty one, the Holy Spirit of Hakma, right? The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of understanding, all the seven spirits of God. When you look at that verse in the Hebrew, it says the Holy Spirit of Hakma and the Holy Spirit of Bina. And it goes on through counsel, said, and all the sapphire stones, that's the body of Christ. It's patterned after the seven spirits of God, and it is the menorah lamp on the inside of you, the secret stairway of the heart, song of songs, and you see this mystery woven throughout from Genesis all through, you know, song of songs, through the Torah, through the Psalms of Ascent, and the wisdom of Proverbs, where is the, the house of wisdom? We have a whole, uh, there's a long video that we have in our Masterclass of Righteousness, which if you haven't take, taken that yet, you can go ahead and get signed up at rlm.tv if you want to be a soldier of righteousness. If you want to be a student of righteousness, just getting started, check out the links below. Save those for later. You can be a student of cosmic righteousness, and it's not very complicated. What we're finding is that the only complications, if someone wants to learn righteousness, is typically this. Idolatry. To external things in the natural realm. Family peace over God inside minded peace. Peace with God. Idolatry. I need peace in my natural realm. So I need to spend money on myself to have a better environment for myself. But you don't tithe and you don't give first to God when the bonus comes in. You give first the, the nefesh, right? The Nefesh is in the blood uh, that's in the book of Leviticus, I believe, was it 1711? 1711, the Nefesh is in the blood, the animal soul. Apostle Brian had a great teaching the other day on the animal soul versus uh, your higher soul. Or your Ruah versus your Nefesh. You're, you're going to have a lot of problems if the first of the increase... <gasps> I just got a, a new job. I got... A bonus at work what am I gonna do for myself and that's the default thinking what can I do for myself instead of I'm going to give first out of that overflow to God when you start thinking in the opposite way 
there's more coming in. I'm going to automatically give that over that in that overflow to God. Ten percent of the increase, or you give charitable acts of giving. I heard the voice. I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Here's an amount to give. I want you to give into my kingdom building. And then you see, and what we find is those people who learn that mystery of righteousness, of the giving. Building vertically instead of squandering below. Faith is the building of vertical things of God's will. Instead of squandering below of no eternal value, you know, like the younger prodigal son, he just squandered everything. The Bible says he had a huge inheritance from his dad, and he squandered it. It represents that he spent it all on worthless below things, and he did nothing eternally with it. Now, through wisdom, we're learning how to build the Father's kingdom vertically, so it's an investment for all eternity. That's That starts with tithing, until you have the vision of investing in higher elevations, building wisdom's towers into the eternity of eternities. Amen. Amen. So, when you have... The family idolatry, because you value family more than Christ within and his instruction. Or you say, I need peace in my external realm, so if I just buy a nicer apartment, I just got a better job, I'm going to get a nicer car to bless myself. And it feels good for a minute, but then the problems surely come. And what happened to that piece I had a second ago when I had a new watch, when I had a new TV, when I got a new apartment, you know, when I bought nice home decor to settle my senses of my eyes, I feel relaxed with a clean home and I can, I pay the bills and I work hard for my wife to stay at home to make sure it's clean and take care of the kids. You know, so I can have peace when I come home from work. What is that? It's idolatry. Idolatry is arch enemy of righteousness. The The root of idolatry is in the heart, and the root of all immorality is in the eyes. So understand where its origin is so you can deal with it by putting Scripture, a living Torah scrolls, living words of Jesus Christ, red letter scriptures into the eyes, that prevents immorality. The more scripture you have in the eyes, the greater your guardianship of the covenant of the eye gates. It's called guarding the Brit. It's guarding the new covenant, which is guarding your purity in your eyes. Guarding your morality in your eyes is guarding the new covenant of Jesus Christ. The measure you guard the purity of your eyes is the measure you guard your covenant with Jesus Christ in heaven. Simple as that. Now, the measure you guard your heart from idolatry by having his word in your heart. What is written? I have hidden your word in in your heart. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalms 119, it is written. Therefore, hiding the word, the words of Messiah, the red letters, the scriptures, the living Torah scrolls, the Bible alive in the power of the Holy Spirit in your heart is how we stay pure from idolatry of heart and immorality of eyes. If you can do those two things and scripture is progressively written upon your hearts and your eyes, you'll go from glory to glory. But if you are rejecting his word in your hearts and you are rejecting God's living word in your eyes, you'll go into immorality, you'll go into idolatry, 
automatically. Wide is the path to destruction. Many go therein. It is written, narrow is the path of people who put the scripture as the way of their eyes, the vision of their eyes. We see everything through God's word. If we have any other perspective in our eyes, apart from what is written in the Bible, we're blind. If it's not the living word radiating like eyes of flashing fire, the word of God's eyes in Revelation chapter 1, his eyes are flashing fire. That is the image of the word of God's eyeballs. That's the eyes we need. That's eyes have to see. What is eyes have to see? Jesus Christ, the word in our eyeballs. That's what guards you from all immorality, all the, the horrible temptations of Babylon the Great in everything of the kingdom of hell that's trying to destroy your souls by getting into your eyes and in, in, into your heart. Your armor, people, is putting on living Torah scrolls, like lightning scrolls, head to toes. Amen. And so what is the Torah? What is the word? Where Moses went to receive it was where? Up the mountain. And he went up the mountain. What did he encounter? The sapphire stones. That sapphire stone pavement is that same sapphire stone of Jacob's ladder, of angels ascending and descending, carrying what? The word of God. That's the Torah. So when you go to the Bible, when you go to engage in Torah, when you put the word of God into your eyes and into your ears, and you allow it to cut through the heart, go to the sapphire stone of the word of God. That's the original primordial Torah that has the power to set you free from all idolatry and immorality. And what's the goal in this? You're going to have the internal peace and the external peace. You're going to have the internal love of God in his kingdom, kingdom finances, you're, you're tithing, you're sanctifying, you're washing the money. And where your money is, there your heart will be also. So as you sow into the sapphire stones, that's how you're going to find the secret stairway of the heart, the sapphire stone stairway. Some of you have had problems finding where it is, if you simply value him over all those external things, that's the test. Everyone goes through this. Everyone wants the external things and the internal things. If you're on this path, most of you, you want both. How are you going to have both? First, obedience. Yep. First, it takes a sacrifice. It's not just la 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 one day you know everything just you know grab a basket of flowers and a little hop and a skip and here we go you know to the wizard of oz down a golden pathway now it can be very easy and light but what the test is is when god allows you to go through the pressure testing if it's not going well on the outside Will you still do the right thing based on who's on the inside? So oftentimes with finances, this is a very common test or pressurized test that we'll see. Either God gives a test or sometimes he will allow the enemy to come around and do some activity a little bit just to see how we respond. 
and it's not so much about what the enemy is doing and what we're doing and what they're doing. The fruit testers are coming. (laughs) Pass your test, people. They try to get in your feelings and emotions to get a response of anger. And that's exactly it. The most important thing is not, they did this to me. They said this to me. I can't believe, the enemies did this to me. No, what God is looking for is the fruit of a changed life and the character of his son Jesus formed in you. So it's not so much about the stuff. And that's important. It is important. You know, you need your bills paid on time. You need peace in your home. My goodness, can you imagine World War III every single day at home? That emotional response to circumstances is 99% of passing your tests in this Christian life. And I'm going to say it one more time, that it, the emotional response to those tests of you being sinned against or you're mistreated and some kind of some of your rights or something of the human being is touched in a way on the inside through words or emotions or feelings. Am I going to respond with the attitude of Jesus Christ or am I going to allow that temptation to bring me into demonic bondage and to participate with the demon? So having Christ formed in you the measure of his word will be the the amount that you can respond in his nature. The measure of the scriptures that you have in you will be the possibility of your outcome. If there are if there is none of Jesus, the spirit of Christ and his word is not in you, you can only respond with sin and you'll transgress. But if you are getting sanctified, the response can be glory. When Polycarp was murdered, by the Roman Empire at the end of the first century, disciple of Apostle John on Patmos, who wrote Revelation. His spiritual son, his name is Polycarp. When Polycarp was murdered brutally in a Roman Colosseum, what came out of his speared side was a physical white dove. It's, a, it's an understanding of what comes out of us when we're pricked. When we're pricked in our thought life, when we're pricked by our spouse, when we're pricked by our kids, our family, our workplace, um, any kind of unforeseen event, mm-hmm. when you're pricked, those can be thorns or they can be the white dove. It could be glory, a crown of glory or a crown of thorns. So we're progressively removing the thorns of that prick to only release the white dove, pure, perfect glory as our response to all things in the world. That's what perfection is. Amen. And so when believers sin against you, and undoubtedly they will, you can be assured of that, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of Christ Jesus. That includes believers who have not been made perfect yet. So oftentimes, what is the test? Believers will sin against you in some way, whether in ignorance or in pride, whatever the case, or some kind of delusion of some sort. What is your response to believers sinning against you? Now, believers have a sword of the Spirit. So when they sin against you, what that does is when a believer sins against another believer, they have a greater capacity to do damage, do harm, because they have a weapon of the Spirit. They have the, the making of that blueprint, the design of God, 
where they said, let us make man in our own image. And so when he breathed life into you at salvation, and even more so when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's an increased capacity to do righteousness, or it's also, conversely, an increased capacity to sin. Why was the fallen angel's sin so great? They were so high, angelic, and even holy. They were holy angels. So don't get a big head once you go up the sephirah and you start to become holy. You taste of holiness. Well, guess what? Now you have a huge capacity to sin like the fallen angels. So we tremble before God in the awe and the fear and the thanksgiving and the love of God. And we hide the word of God in our heart that we might not sin against him and his people and his children, against those who are saved, against those who are unsaved, against one another. We hide the word in our heart. And that's a really good point from the final quest. It talks about take heed that you stand lest you fall because you can fall from any point in this life. Meaning in the in that book, it displayed your capacity to stay at the higher levels was directly related to how much of God's word you had in you. If they put down the sword, they began to slide down the mountain. And the sword was the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 The sword of the Spirit is sharper than any double-edged sword. It is the word of God. It divides the sunder bone from marrow, it, the soul from the spirit, and it judges the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. So the amount of living word we have in us. Now, how do we know it's alive? Because out of it proceeds rivers of glory, the presence of his glory. And the presence becomes the protocol. See, you, you love the presence of his glory. The presence is the protocol. It's not what do I do? This isn't do's and don'ts. This isn't the Old Testament rules and regulations, 500 different things that you need to do every day before you can eat a meal and how you wash your hands and your cuticles and things like that. Those are all symbolic today for wisdom. And there's tons of wisdom in that. We'll study that for the next thousand years, the wisdom of Leviticus. But we need to understand now the protocol of his presence. We need to understand how we think, talk, and act inside the presence of the Holy Spirit, doing the works that please the Holy Spirit. What you do in your life, God's will, are the things that please the Lord. Amen. And not just some generic Lord, the, the Lord Jesus Christ who's come into your heart, the, the Holy Spirit who always glorifies the Bible. Jesus said, you will know the true Holy Spirit, because he will glorify me. Who is he? The Messiah speaking in, in John 14 and 15. He will glorify the scriptures. The Holy Spirit will bring to life the word of God. So you go into the glory when you have that word working in you. It's sanctifying you to live in the presence of his glory. Now in that glory presence, that's when we want to do our scholarship. That's yeah. when we study the Bible, when we study the mm -hmm. scriptures, we go into the Hebrew, we go into yep. the Greek, we go into all church history, Jewish history, yep. and we go into the deep things. Yep. And a lot of this is what God's looking for in your response, just like Brandon said, is how do you respond to sin? You're undoubtedly going to be sinned against at some point, probably many times. Unfortunately, for now, that's the case in the fallen state of the world. 
it's not just, like you said, rules, you know, do what's right, stay in school, <laughs> you, you know, listen to your mother, things like that, you know, we can all kind of agree that those are generally good The law things. is for those who live outside mm -hmm. the glory cloud. Because you've obeyed all the law by getting into the glory cloud. Now the glory cloud is the protocol of a, of a stricter refinement of being with the holy angels. That's right. Being obedient to the impulses of the Holy Spirit where you're not subject to the law as the law is for the wicked. And that's a scripture. You can Google that or ask ChatGPT, hey, you know, what's that Bible verse that, you know, those who are led by the spirit are not subject to the law you know you can utilize all the modern technology to help galatians you find, right you know, the chat gpt uh, you can write your your thesis statement for your training in righteousness as a graduate of our program we have no problem with that you can use uh, you know whatever all technology. ai serves the lord uh, yes all ai must serve the lord god hey valve hey so you can be excited that you can utilize all the best of modern technology for this program. But what's the evidence that you're progressing in the program or that you're graduating a program in righteousness? What is that? It means you're progressively ascending the sapphire stones in the pathway of lightning. Enoch's lightning pathway. And Enoch pleased God and it was counted him as what? Righteousness. Now, what is the first mention of faithfulness in the Bible? Enoch. Yep. Enoch, if you look it up, you can search in your Bible apps. We recommend Life Bible. It was formerly known as Takarta app. Uh, any of the easy to, to search, easy to research using your phone, using your tablet, using your, uh, your desktop, whatever it is, your laptop. Look these things up. If there's a matter that comes to you that you're pondering, you're thinking about it, you're contemplating something of the Lord or his nature, look it up. Search it. These tools are available to us for a reason in this time and this season that we're in, which is that far off generation that Enoch talked about. This is the generation where the chosen are being chosen. And this is the restoration of cosmic righteousness. Now, Enoch pleased God, and he was taken. And it says that he was faithful. Now, the Bible says that many are called, few are chosen. And the Lord spoke to me using various scriptures, and he added on to that and said, but even fewer are faithful. Now, when are we going to be what God considers faithful. Think about that for a minute. Doing only the things that please the Father's heart. So a few are called, fewer are chosen, and even fewer are faithful. Now think about that. In terms of scriptures, Enoch, it says in the seventh week, the chosen are chosen. So we're talking beyond seventh week, which in the cosmic weeks, that's beyond the world of absolute righteousness. There's called, there's chosen, and then there's faithful. Now the testing for our faithful is heavy. And this all goes together with what we're talking about. How do you respond to sin? How did Jesus Christ respond to sin? So let's say when a believer sins against you the next time, most likely it'll be your family, most likely it'll be a coworker, 
most likely one of your kind, friendly neighborhood, uh, you know, truck drivers, sports car drivers in your neighborhood will be glad to test your fruit, I'm sure, sometime in the near future. They like to. They think it's a game of racing, you know. Maybe they didn't leave 15 minutes early like they should have, you know, because it's someone else's fault that they didn't wake up on time, that the things weren't ready for them. They didn't have their outfit ready for the day. It's everybody else's fault. I'm sure it wasn't because they were up late at night watching Netflix and didn't get enough sleep, and so they snoozed and snoozed and snoozed at the alarm clock and then rushed to get ready and didn't have time to eat, and their family was manifesting. Fasted cardio day. But they didn't have time to work out because... Take your thermogenics before that. You burn 300 calories. They probably burn 300 calories just dashing out the door, but there's a better way to do it. Amen. Amen. Get into cardio and uh, not into running over your, you know, run over your family out the door into uh, running over your neighbors in the car. <laughs> so there might be some repentance. There might be some repentance there. Praise God. Amen. You know, on a natural note here, because I know a lot of guys when they get older, they deal with bellies and it, we're dealing with spiritual bellies. Let's deal with natural bellies. You need both dealt with men. Okay. I highly recommend you understand thermogenics. It is a revelation. If more men understood what's available today in health food, in supplements, they would not have such huge bellies. Thermogenics will devour the fat off of your stomachs just by taking it in the morning. And a lot of you, you work jobs and you're doing stuff already, implementing it into your daily routine it will do wonders for you. So it's it's common on Amazon. There's a few different people that sell it. I recommend the EHP Labs Thermogenics, and it comes in like 12 different flavors. But implementing this into your lives will also dramatically increase your natural health, your nefesh health, the holiness of your nefesh, to conduct all your rua spiritual health. You need to be healthy in both. You don't want to just have all kinds of wisdom and then just a terrible body. You can't do anything. Right, a dirty house. It. You can't do and anything with a dirty house it. and a dirty temple, <laughs> a, a, a unfit body. It is important and body. spiritual to also implement all of this wisdom, all of this cosmic righteousness into the highest level physical living through your bodies, the temples of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom will always bring it into the natural and show you how to live it out in the realm of the natural every single time to improve the natural realm and the glory realm. Amen. Amen. So with that being said, you're disciplining your outer man. You're taking care of the external things. But what are we doing? We're not valuing in them more than the internal peace with God. Now, how are you going to have internal peace with God? You value his character. You walk in his ways. Now, what was his way? It's the way of the cross. When Christians, which were at that time Jews, sinned against Jesus to the point of murdering him and nailing him to a cross and all kinds of beatings and things like that, what was his response? And now they murdered Jesus physically and spiritually. Your test is most often in these days, especially in first world countries, going to be the murder of the invisible man of the heart, the invisible man of the spirit, right? When people use the sword of the spirit, 
with their words as believers, they have the potential to do harm to Christ formed with, within you. Now, well, you say Christ is invincible within you. And yes, that's true. He's already been raised from the dead. But what we find in Gwen Shaw, the fine line between the spirit and the soul and the body is the sword of the spirit of the believer can hurt your spirit, right? Your ruah can take damage. Your ruah is not the ruah kakadesh of the Holy Spirit. It's meant to reflect his glory. And when it's circumcised and made holy as he is holy, through sanctification of ascending the sephirot, with circumcision, the evidence of circumcision, you can reflect his glory, which is you can reflect his nature. That's so true. That's why scripture says they murdered the prophets. Matthew chapter 5, they'll continue to murder the prophets. They'll continue to mistreat you. Jesus Christ, the master, said that in Matthew 5, which means they will harm the vessels that divinity comes through. We have to be very careful to be kind, considerate, and honoring of the vessels, of the outer vessels that are the containers of these divine treasures, treasures and jars of clay. If we are harming the outside when saying, oh, it's just Jesus, but you don't honor the vessel, Jesus Christ called that murder in Matthew chapter 5. That's right. So when they murdered Christ in the invisible man in his invisible self and in his physical visible self, his body, what was his response to believers? In his time, believers just meant Jews, right? Now salvation is also for the Gentiles, and we call that Christianity. So what was his response? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they are doing. And more often than not, they really don't understand that they're murdering you. They might have a delusion or an illusion or they feel wronged. But, you know, in so RLM, a lot of the ones wrong. we have dealt with, they did know they, with they knew they were murdering me. In you're, general, you're dealing with yeah. Balaam's. Guys, we have dealt with so many antichrists over the years. These people with knowledge practice murder to do harm to the prophets for personal gain. There are antichrists and nimrods everywhere. In 1 John, when Apostle John saying many antichrists have gone into the world, it's anyone that's opposing Apostle John. Do you understand this? Anyone who is opposing the elder of the elderly. Okay, this is the chief apostle of the Lamb, God's highest level representative in the universe. John, in 1 John, he says, many antichrists. And antichrists are those that oppose God's highest consecrated people on the planet. And you know we deal with hundreds of those people. That's why there's many antichrists and not just one. It's anyone who opposes the apostolic level of consecration is an antichrist. Right. Now, so we've dealt with a, a significant population of those types of people just because this is the apostolic, cosmic, this is pioneering. And so at the front lines, you're going to deal with a higher percentage. But overall, in the general population of people, you're, the majority of that is going to be, is really going to be just ignorance. Ignorance. Oh, there might be some pride there. There might be some knowledge. They feel like maybe they shouldn't have said something, but they have some remorse. There are a lot of those cases that we've dealt with and that you've seen have been, like you said, people with knowledge in participation with the fallen angels. And, you know, so those things aside, the book of Enoch deals with those. It's a great study if you want to take a look at that sometime. 
the character of the fallen angels who with knowledge having sinned and made their decisions and so on and so forth. So you can read about that. Uh, it's a really fascinating study. But for you, for your daily life, and for us to our main daily life, when believers come around, whether it's your family, your friends, your coworker, or just an, even an unbeliever, he's, Jesus said this to the unbelievers and the believers who murdered him or approved of his murder, you know, any of that, even those who weren't sure about him, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Oftentimes that test is going to come. When your external peace is nowhere to be found, things aren't going right, will you cling to the internal peace of the river, river of peace, and trust that his peace is more valuable than the temporary peace of those external realms? And when they sin against you, the self-righteous fallen angel nature is to say, they did this to me. It's that self-righteousness accusing, accusing non-believers and accusing believers, accusing them with facts. They did just sin against you. That is correct. Matter of fact, that's true. Right? If you're just going to write down facts, like the angels who write down what happens every day. They just docu they're just documenting what actually happened. You could go with that attitude. I'm just documenting, Lord, you saw it. They saw it. Look at their look how they're treating me, Lord. And that's one level of a type of righteousness, but what's the righteousness of Christ based on? It's based on the forgiveness of sins. Christ in him crucified. He poured out his blood. He became sin, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. That we might become a ladder. To become righteousness is to become the ladder of truth, the sephirot of righteousness. So, who will be a ladder? I only want to know what? Christ in you, and Whoever him crucified. Becomes the container of Jesus Christ. John one fifty one. In the New Living Translation says, Jesus Christ, red letters, I am the stairway between heaven and earth. That's exactly what it says. Amen. Who will become the stairway, the ladder between heaven and earth? Whoever has Jesus Christ fully formed in them. Mm -hmm. Same attitude, thought life, words, and actions. Simple as that. Christ and him crucified, which what did he say when he was crucified? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. So next time someone sins against you, I'm... Maybe maybe one of your, your family members just raised their hand and said, I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> you know, I don't know what your situation is at home. But the next time that happens, whether it's a believer or an unbeliever, just remember him on the cross. His love for you, his love for them. And just like we talked about yesterday, we did a little short teaching yesterday. When you keep in mind in the presence of God, the preciousness of how God feels toward that other person. When the person is sinning against you, when the person cuts you off on the road, I'm sure they're all demon-possessed. There's so many demon demons possessing the people, but 
What's the tenderness? What was that person actually born? So when God had an idea flashed in his mind for the, for the heights of what that soul could become, what he desired, who did he wish that they had walked the path and, and known Christ, but they've been maybe rejecting him in some way? What was that ultimate destiny that they've been missing out on? What was it supposed to be? And think about the heartbreak that the fathers had over that person. Think about all those moments where they've rejected him, but he's tried and tried to chase after them. And, you know, he's not going to break his own word. He gives everyone, we've already established, the maximum opportunity to know him and repent. So to make the father's dreams and wishes come true, what is it going to take? He's given dominion to flesh and blood. He gave dominion to us. So guess what it's going to take? It's going to take you. It's going to take me. It's going to take us together as a company being Christ, which is forgive them. Forgive them. They sin against you. Forgive them. It doesn't mean become a walking doormat. It means get wisdom. Go up the Sephiroth so they can't have dominion over you with their demons and their sin. But you go up, be apart and separate from it and forgive it. Right, the Sephiroth is the cross. So you go up the cross and you forgive it. Behold, I have given you power to trample snakes and scorpions underfoot, but do not rejoice that you have power over the demons, but that your name is written in heaven. What does it mean to have your name written in heaven? To rejoice in his glory abundantly. It means that your name, your soul, is rejoicing in his glory. That is what we rejoice in. The glory cloud, the union with our Father, living inside the Father's kingdom. Your name written in heaven. When your name is written in heaven, you will have dominion over all of hell. Amen. So next time a believer sins against you, just re realize and remind yourself, you know, it's probably because they're not walking in their divine destiny. Otherwise, they wouldn't have time to even think like that. So I pray for their destiny. Yeah, and we pray for you. We pray for your destiny. Is there some way maybe you've been acting that wasn't exactly Christ and him crucified? You know, we've all fallen short. We all need forgiveness. So we just decree over you, be forgiven. Receive fresh forgiveness for you, your family, your household, even your neighbors that cut you off every morning when they you know, see you on the way to work. And he's going after the <laughs> sanctification of character. He's going after cleaning our hearts and our eyes. He wants a pure, spotless bride. And these are the words that produce it. The holy consecrated words from the apostles of the Lamb. The whole purpose of ministry is to make God's people clean, healthy, and raised from the dead, living in the realms that God's prepared for them. That is why this emphasis tonight is so much on character refinement in your attitude, in your feelings, in the practical settings of how you treat others. Because that determines your cleanliness in the atmosphere of the angels. Amen. And those are actually the majority of the character tests when it comes down to, can God increase your finances this season? Can God increase your domain this season? You know, for you personally, you watching at home, you watching, you know, on your tablet or on your cell phone, you're watching, you know, going through the list and watching the videos. Is it going to be a season of financial increase, external increase of peace, uh, you know, a new season of maybe it's your whole internal of your house is going to be the next season of basically an HGTV remodel to have the most ultimate, beautiful glorification of your house. Whatever the external thing is, 
I know that God wants to bless you abundantly with those things, but he doesn't want to add to sin. So with that said, where your money is, there your heart will be also. Sanctify, get that money washed. Get your internal inner man washed. Wash the inside of the cup first. And then let God add out of the storehouse of his abundance to you, to your family, to your household. And may you walk in your divine destiny and be satisfied in every way. We'll end with this. Um When your heart and your mind are sanctified by everything we've taught you tonight, your heart merits rewards. Your mind and your eyes merit rewards. Listen to the words of Jesus Christ in Revelation 22, 12. Behold, I, Jesus, am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give each one according to the merit of his deeds, earthly works, and faithfulness. Faithfulness. Merit for faithfulness. There's rewards for the merit that you can merit rewards through faithfulness of heart and eyes. This is what we want for all of you to have great rewards from Yadevave Messiah, Jesus Christ in heaven. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. That means he's giving you the full spectrum of the rewards. He's telling you the bandwidth of the rewards. He's saying all space time continuum. All existence of past, present, and future. These are the rewards that you can merit in your heart and mind if you're faithful. If you allow me to transform your character, your thought life, your word life, how you treat others, how you interact with your family and your friends. If you allow me to be your God and to be your everything and my scriptures to control your eyes, your feelings, your heart, your attitude. And if you allow him to fully sanctify you, you're going to merit Alpha, Omega, beginning and end, the first and the last. You're going to begin to have all things restored in your life. And that's God the Father's plans for all of you through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. We're raising support for a fundraiser for RLM Florida to have a permanent headquarters. There are two things we're going to be fundraising for while we're down here to buy priesthood headquarters, priesthood living facility, and a permanent broadcasting center. And once we have a permanent broadcasting center established and built and the fundraising raised, then we can begin to have visitors into RLM TV Florida. Make that possible. That's God the Father's dreams. This is, these are the things that please God, the teaching and the preaching of righteousness, the holiness and the wisdom of the ages, the manifestation of God's sons established over the USA during these times. Partner with this apostolic vision. Where your money is, there your heart will be also. Put your heart into the Father's dreams of establishing RLM TV and righteous television that teaches the higher things of wisdom, holiness, and the power of the kingdom that's coming, the age to come. And then you'll have great rewards in heaven by your faithfulness to support all God desires to do during these days. Do not be like the younger prodigal who squanders his wealth, who works for wages that spoil, but work for the things of heaven where there is no spoiling the eternal rewards. That means storing up the treasure and investing in the Father's plans 
of his kingdom age dreams and understand we apostles are bringing them forth. That is the very vision and heart of God for these times, the blueprints, the protocol of the the behavior and all of that. That is what you want to support with all of your marketplace, your business, your tithes, your offerings, and get behind this vision to establish righteousness over the earth in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us tonight. We'll see you tomorrow.